Hollywood sign, with its giant letters on a hill overlooking the titular neighborhood, is surely the most famous sign in the world. But this mythical landmark is not very accessible. For years, tourists were content to take photos from a distance. But since the advent of Instagram, there's been a surge in people wanting to take a picture of themselves right at the foot of the sign, which has in turn become a nuisance for residents. They asked Google to guide tourists to another point, a view of the sign eight kilometers away, a rather surprising situation. Orange presents the memo. Hello, Chloe. Hello, Joe. Yes, I read on the site 99% Invisible that if you ask an application like Google or Apple Maps to show you the way to the Hollywood sign, you're now directed to the Griffith Observatory Tower, which has a view of the sign, but which is not the sign itself. That's the focus of the first installment of our series on the way in which digital is transforming our cities. Today, we're looking at the impact of apps on urban environments through geolocation and maps. Chloe, the first thing I do when I'm in town is open a map and see where I am. I find it crazy that you can make things disappear off the map. Why is that? First off, you are not alone, I assure you. Starting with the Rock of Bedolina, one of the oldest maps dating back to the Bronze Age, cartography has been there to organize data in a geographic space. According to geographer Erwan Bouchy, we expect the map to be the most faithful possible representation of the data. But he makes clear in an interview with the CNRS Review, from a decision-making perspective, a map is also a tool for sending messages. So if we go back to the example I gave you at the start, maps have an impact on the physical world because if you take information out of them, it can avoid an influx of tourists. And it goes even further than that. For the past few years, it has become completely normal for every smartphone to come equipped with an onboard GPS. And that has some implications. I'll give you an example closer to home. Rue Crémieux in Paris is a particularly photogenic street with colorful houses and shops. Its popularity exploded due to geotags, which mark locations on photos or videos. On Instagram, about 40,000 posts have referenced this street alone, which is only 144 meters long. Residents overwhelmed by the influx of tourists requested the town hall install barriers, which prompted a journalist from 20 Minutes to wonder, are geotaggers actually vandals? I saw that the WWF even launched a campaign urging internet users not to geotag naturally photogenic sites in order to protect the environment. To geotag or not to geotag, that's the question. We find the link between the data and the action we were talking about at the very beginning. Geographic recommendation has a real impact. Hence the importance of being on the map. This has led some to question how Google Maps organizes information. Google Maps, let's remember, is a free, accessible, practical and widespread app, installed by default on many phones. Precisely, and what's new is that this private company has found itself invested with unprecedented powers thanks to its large user base. What kind of powers? Like defining what constitutes an area of interest, or prioritizing information. According to the Vision Cartos site, who posted a message from design agency Vraiment Vraiment, Google Maps is based on a vision of the city that does not match urban realities. It's an American understanding of space, which assumes a shopping street has vehicles on it. 
Are you familiar with Boulevard Ansbach in Brussels? Yes, of course. It's one of the major axes of the city centre. So it was made into a pedestrian street in 2015. And since then, Google Maps has almost made it disappear from the map by relegating it to a mere footpath. Important powers, therefore, to make information disappear, but also, I imagine, make them appear too. You got it. Google pushes commercial businesses to use its platform and encourages them to pay to be visible. Indeed, free access for us users is made possible by selling visibility on the platform to businesses. By the way, you may have noticed that on the map, some shops are displayed faster than others. Ah, yes, I just thought that was my internet connection being slow. Not at all. According to Vision Cartos, until recently, algorithms ranked shop visibility in a relatively neutral fashion, either based on traffic or user preferences calculated by Google. But for some time now, the logos that appear first are those of businesses who've bought bigger visibility. If I understand it correctly, then a place's visibility now depends directly on the amount paid to Google. Yes, and whatever is free for users, as you know, means data collection. We touched on this in a previous episode on geolocalization. This was also one of the main criticisms leveled at the Smart City project proposed by Google in Toronto. Yes, I think I've heard about that before. It's that ambitious project to create an entire neighbourhood beside Lake Ontario. Exactly. It was dropped abruptly this summer, officially due to economic reasons in COVID times. But it's a symptomatic case of how easily people accept mass data collection. This project, too, included a large-scale collection of private data, ranging from energy consumption to garbage collection. According to The Guardian, as the project encountered mounting delays and tax concerns, more people in tech have risen to voice their concerns. No matter what you get with Google, it will never be worth what you risk losing, wrote businessman Roger McNamee in an open letter. According to him, it's a dystopian vision with no place in a democratic society. And what about public authorities in all of this? Antoine Courmont, scientific director of the cities and digital chair at Sciences Po, sees the abandonment of this futuristic project as a rebalancing in favor of public power in terms of digital governance. Quoted in Le Monde, he notes, In Canada, as in France, there's an awareness among elected officials of the importance of data in governing the city and an increase in public expertise on these issues. The COVID-19 crisis has sped up this reorganization of the balance of power. So, a smart city could be more ethical and collaborative. I read in an article on Cities Today that 36 cities are committed to being ethical pioneers in the use of data. Among them, London, Buenos Aires, Dubai, Milan, Bogota. The list is very international. And the stakes are high. As Theo Blackwell, Chief Digital Officer of the City of London, says, we need to work together to realize the potential of data. He adds that in order to effectively solve city problems, this data must be used in a safe, ethical and responsible manner. And what if I need some maps for my next trip, that is, whenever I can journey further than my sofa? Wired Magazine has compiled a list of alternatives to Google Maps, including open street maps used by many cities. It's a bit like the Wikipedia of maps. Everything is based on open data updated by users. So if you go somewhere like the Hollywood sign, for instance, and the map isn't right, you can suggest changes. 
Thank you, Chloe, and thank you to all our listeners. In the next episode, we'll be looking at another important question in modern urban planning, how applications are transforming the way we travel. In the meantime, feel free to share this episode and find all the links to the articles mentioned under the description. You are listening to The Memo, an orange podcast.